0: Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message.
1: Ephesians
0: chapter 6. Anybody ready to fight? Somebody say fight. Come on. Verse 10. This has been our base verse on what we talked about fighting and why we're talking about fighting is because Paul says this. In Ephesians 6, verse 10, he's writing to a church, and he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We said the devil was a schemer. He's crafty. He's a trickster. For our struggle, the struggle's real, it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, You may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. You've done everything to stand. We're talking about fighting. And we're talking about fighting for everything that God has for us. As a church, we're not going to be passive. As a church, we're not going to be complacent. As a church, we're not going to be comfortable. We're always going to fight for what God has for us. Can I get an amen? Amen. One more passage. Can you go to the book of 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel is in the Old Testament. Old Testament, go all the way to the beginning. First Samuel. It's right before Second Samuel. Philly was a little lost. So I'm just helping him out. First Samuel, go to First Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel chapter 17. If you don't know where it's at, there's also a table of contents at the beginning of the Bible that will help you out. If you have my Bible, it is page 189, in case we have the same Bible. First Samuel chapter 17. Are you there? everybody's already there we got a fast church or you're reading it off the screen and uh, I I want to talk about this passage today as we wrap up this series called fight I want to begin to read out of verse four I know I think we started in verse 10 up there oh they got it already you guys are way too fast you guys are awesome verse four it says this: a champion named Goliath somebody say Goliath. Goliath he was a champion he was from Gath he came out of the Philistine camp his height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron-pointed weighted 600 shekels. That's a whole lot of shekels. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you're not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and servants. And the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. says they were dismayed and terrified. Terrified. Out of those few verses in that passage, I want to share a message with you this morning. If you're taking notes here at Calvary, we believe in note-taking. We believe that in heaven they check notes, but it is important. It helps us throughout the week. On a Monday when you're feeling a little bit down, on a Wednesday when you're having some doubt, on a Friday when you're a little bit tired, you can go back to notes and say, wait a minute, I remember what I heard in church. I remember what the Word of God says, so it's important to take notes. But uh, today I want to talk to you out of a message that I've titled, I Declare War. I declare war. Come on, why do we say that together? I declare war. Tap three people around you and tell them, I declare war. I declare war. I declare war. Anybody ready to declare war on the enemy? Come on. I hope you're ready. I'm ready to preach this morning. I'm ready to, to shout a little bit. I'm ready to have a little bit of Pentecostal character. I'm just kidding. I'm just- We're going to have a good time. If this is your first time, we're glad you're here. And I pray that maybe you don't even believe in God, you don't believe in Jesus, but I pray that you at least lean in a little bit. And uh, my prayer is that by the end of service, you will realize there is a God who created you and loves you. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. I really believe it's not a coincidence that all of us came in here this morning. I believe that God brought us in here this morning. Amen. Come on, I declare war. Why don't we close our eyes bow our head and let's ask God to bless this time. Father, we thank you uh, this morning. We thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you that we can come into God's house, God. Thank you that we we can come here to worship you and honor you, God. And, God, we rejoice when we come to your house, God. Our life is full of joy when we come to your house. Thank you for what you're doing in this city. Thank you for what you're doing in this church, Kendall Campus and City Campus. And thank you for all the leaders and incredible people that you have here with us, God. God, thank you for everything that is to come. Thank you for six strong months already in the in the year of 2017. God, you've been faithful from January to July. God, and we believe that you're going to be faithful August through December. We're going to finish the year strong. God, we believe that you're with us and you're for us. We believe that you go before us, come behind us and surround us. Thank you for giving uh, Barcelona and Messi the victory yesterday and declaring they are the best team in the world once again. In Jesus' name, all God's people say... Come on, 11 a.m. All God's people say, can you give Jesus one more shout of praise? Come on. Anybody in here hate traffic? I'm talking about you hate traffic. You you can't, you you don't like traffic. Actually, let me ask this. Anybody in here enjoy traffic? Enjoy traffic. Yeah, I think, oh, there's a few. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, We're going to pray for you after service. Like Come down and pray for you. (laughs) Traffic is the worst thing in the world. It's the worst thing in the world. I, I think now we got a couple of things that help us avoid traffic. For example, we've talked about it before here in church. Anybody love the Waze app? Come on, Waze. It helps you avoid certain construction areas and traffic and all that. And we can get home or we can get to our office a lot quicker. In fact, we talk about Waze so much, they should sponsor us. But, um, but we love ways. But the other day, I was hanging out with a friend, a friend that I grew up in church and hadn't been able to hang out with him for a couple of weeks and one of my best friends in the world. And we were just hanging out Thursday night as guys just went out to have some fun. And, and I go to drop him off at his house, and I have to get on the turnpike and head south to my house. And so it's about 10 o'clock at night. As soon as I drop him off and I get on the turnpike, it is dead stop traffic at 10 p.m. at night. I'm talking about bumper to bumper. We were literally moving two miles an hour, two miles an hour. I was on Waze, and I was trying to find a way to get out. And, you know, on Waze, you can reroute to see if there's any way out. I was pressing reroute like 50 times. And Waze just kept telling me, like, bro, you're on the turnpike. Ain't no way out. There's no exit. There's no U-turn. There's no, there's no way you're getting out of this. And uh, Diana, you know, called me and texted me. She's like, babe, are you on the way home? And I'm like, girl, I'm coming home. Believe me. I want to get home. And uh, wait for me, boo. And uh, but But... Then I send her a picture of traffic, and I said, I'm not going to get home for a while. Like, this thing is bad. It actually took me an hour to get out of that traffic. It took me an hour to get out of traffic. I don't know about you, but I try to avoid traffic as much as I can. Like, I will go at any cost to avoid. I will do an illegal turn on the turnpike just to avoid traffic. And I started thinking about this, and I said, man, in life, whether we like it or not, sometimes we're going to have to go through some things. In life, sometimes we may not like what we're up against. In life, we may not like what is ahead of us, but sometimes we are called to go through them because unless we go through them, we're not going to get the victory on the other side. And Today, I want to talk about giants, you know, in the same way, I think some of us, we have some, some giants in front of us. I think some of us, we have some circumstances, some situations, some impossibilities in front of us, and I think sometimes it can seem like we're not going to get to the other side. Sometimes it's like, how do I get past this giant? How, how do I get past this impossibility in my life? Maybe, maybe it's a marriage situation. Maybe, maybe it's something with your kids. Maybe it's a job. Maybe, maybe it's something in your life that represents a giant, and you're like, I, I, I can't seem to get through this. I, I, I want to avoid it. I don't want to go through it. but I believe that today God is going to give us the power and the understanding, the wisdom through his word that we can go through it. We can get the victory in Jesus' name, and we can make it to the other side. Can I get an amen? We all have giants. We, we all have giants. We've been talking about fighting for the past about five weeks. We talked about how to fight for our mind. We talked about how to fight for our families, for our marriages. We talked about how to fight for our hearts, for our souls. We talked about that it's a real fight for the church. We got to fight for our church, for our community. We got we to fight for our cities. Today I want to make it a little bit personal, maybe some of the struggles that we all face with. We got to fight for our life. We, we have to fight. We've learned. We've been talking about spiritual warfare, and we've learned that there's a real enemy called Satan. And he doesn't walk around with two little horns, a red cape, and he doesn't knock on your door, but he comes in all different kinds of ways, and he's throwing an onslaught attack at our families, at our minds. Look what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We have a real enemy that goes around like a roaring lion looking for, who to the If you didn't know, you have a, there's a devil this morning. You have an enemy this morning that wants to kill you, wants to destroy you, wants to steal from you. He doesn't want your marriage to make it. He doesn't want your family to make it. He doesn't want you to walk in God's gift and God's call for your life. We have a real enemy. Right. We've been talking about this for the past four to five weeks. We have a real enemy. It is the devil, it is, it is Satan himself, and we talked about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is not this creepy weird thing, it's actually two kingdoms that are against each other that are fighting for our hearts, for our souls, and a lot of times they appear as giants in our life. And maybe this morning you're like, Alex, I'm in the fight of my life. Some of us were in a fight because we're fighting an addiction this morning. Some of us were in a fight because we're fighting a giant in our life and we're like, I got this habit in my life that I can't, I can't knock. Some of us got, got, got a giant in front of us of lust or, or pornography or, or maybe a substance abuse or, or maybe it's something in our life. And we're like, I can't shake it. It's a sin in my life. It's, it's something in my life. And I, I, I'm going to tell you, you can fight. You will get the victory in Jesus' name. You will make it to the other side. Come on, if God be for you, who can be against you all the days of your life? But there's a giant in front of you that you cannot avoid and you have to go through. We can't avoid the giant. We can't leave the giant there. Because listen to me, church, the giant that we don't slay becomes the giant that we obey. The giant that we don't slay becomes the giant we obey wonder if there's something in our life this morning. It's happened in my life. I'm pretty sure it's happened in all of our lives. We have this issue in our life that, that we, we want to we confront, we want to overcome. And at times, it could actually bring a little bit of fear into our life. And how do I avoid this? How do I get through this? I love what the old preacher in the 1800, John Owen, said about this. He said, we have to be killing sin or sin would be killing us. There's something in our life that we have to overcome. There's something in our life that we have to fight for you. Maybe you got to fight that addiction off in the name of Jesus. Maybe you got to fight that fear off. Maybe you got to fight that giant off. Maybe you got to fight for your marriage. You got to fight for your mind. You got to fight for your soul and say, wait a minute, devil, I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. I'm not going to stay defeated. I'm not going to stay down. I got the victory. I'm moving ahead. I will get through the giant. Come on, anybody believe in that at 11 a.m.? Come on. In, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we read a story that I think all of us, we, we've, we've heard this story, we've seen this story, we, we've seen cartoons of it, we've seen movies of it, David and Goliath. Come on, we've all heard of David and Goliath, and, and maybe you haven't heard of David and Goliath, I want to give you a little bit uh, of an idea of what this story is about. The Israelites, God's people, they were fighting for this land that God had promised them, but there was an enemy called the Philistines. The Philistines, they were nasty, they were huge, they they were bad, and and they were fighting for this land. And they're like, no, no, you're not going to get this land. We're going to fight for this land. In chapter 17, where we read, they have a secret weapon that they bring out. Anybody hate when people bring out secret weapons? (laughs) This secret weapon was a giant in their army. Like, this guy was huge. The Bible says he was six cubits and a span. Uh, according to all the scholars and research they've done, that means he measured about nine feet, nine inches. Like, this is a big guy. Like, I know Shaq is big, but this is bigger than Shaq. Like, like, Paul's, like this is like Paul's height. Paul's pretty tall. Like, he's Paul. <laughs> nine feet, nine inches. Like, you're up against the giant. And the Bible says that this giant every day would come out. They would meet in this valley, and the giant would come out, and he would taunt God's people. He would challenge them. He would mock them, and he'll say, hey, send somebody to fight me. I want to fight somebody one-on-one. Let's make this one-on-one. And he says, hey, if, if you beat me, and if he kills me, then we'll become your servants and your slaves. But if I kill him, then you guys become our servants and our slaves. This is why defeating a giant is so important, because if you don't defeat a giant in your life, all of a sudden your family, your kids can be affected by that same giant. And he's taunting God's people, and he's challenging God's people. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in, in God's people, if I was with the Israelites back then in that valley, i will I look around like, we don't got a giant? <laughs> like... Like, I'm not, I'm not going out to this, to this valley. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to go out there and try to, try to fight. You know, I think some people this morning, this is how you feel. There's a giant that is screaming at you every morning. You wake up in the morning. Some of you, you woke up this morning and you looked in the mirror and there was a giant screaming back at you. You woke up this morning and maybe it was a giant of addiction that says, you are never going to get over this. You woke up this morning, and it was a giant of a habit that you, you hate, and it says, no, you're never going to shake this off. You stop for 30 days, 60 days, but all of a sudden, it's like you fall right back again. Maybe it's a giant of divorce that says, hey, no, as much as you fight, you're, you, you are headed for divorce. In fact, there's a generation of, your mom was divorced, your great-grandmother, you're going to end up divorced as well, and it's screaming at you in the face, and it's taunting you. Can I tell you, we have victory in Jesus' right, name. Come oh, come on, I think it's time for the people of God to fight. And say, wait a minute, devil, no, not today. This giant is not going to defeat me. This giant is not going to bring me down. Come on, if God be for us, who can be against us all the days of our life? Come on, on, we're going to overcome the giant. This morning I could talk about a whole lot of giants, but I want to focus on one giant that I've seen it literally paralyze people. I want to talk about the giant of fear. We can talk about a lot of giants. I've mentioned a lot of giants. There's a lot of giants, but I think fear is a big one. And I think fear has held people back from their calling, from their giftings, from walking in what God wants to do in your life. In fact, I know that I know know for sure there's people in here that fear has you gripped this morning. Fear has you shocked this morning. I'm not just talking about a fear of spiders. I'm not just talking about a fear of cockroaches. I'm just not talking about a fear of lizards. Ah! I'm not talking about that. It's a lot of fears, but I'm talking about a fear of failing. A fear of moving forward, a fear of tomorrow, a fear of God, what am I going to do with my life, a fear of stepping out, a fear of trying, a fear of death, a fear of, of saying, God, do, do I really trust your word, a fear of saying, what if tomorrow I don't succeed, a fear of commitment, a fear of stepping out into everything that God has for your life, a fear of getting married because what about if I do the same thing? A fear of sickness? What about if I end up sick just because my, my father died from this and my grandfather died from this? And this is fear that has this grip. I want to talk about fear this morning. Can I talk about fear for just a moment? I think that God wants to free some people this morning. Because God has done it in my life. And when we talk about fear, one of the things that we have to remember, first thing that we have to remember about fear is that fear will erase our memory. Fear will erase our memory. Let me explain it to you. When you are gripped by fear, you don't remember anything else. When you are gripped by fear, I've literally seen it paralyze people to the point where they, they just stop dead in their tracks. They will not move forward. You know that there's fears that would not allow people to leave their house ever again because one time they got into an accident? There's fear that would never allow people to get on an airplane again because the airplane might fall because I've seen it on the news. There's fear of people not leaving. There's fear of people that you will wash your hands a hundred times a day because you might get sick. All kinds of fears. And fear will literally stop you and it will, all of a sudden, your memory will go blank. You won't remember anything. All you see is this fear. This is exactly what's happening in 1 Samuel chapter 17. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, there's this giant named Goliath. And he's challenging God's people. But what happened is that we got to realize, wait, 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 let's put this story into context. Because three chapters before, in 1 Samuel chapter 14, actually they had already kind of defeated the Philistines because God intervened on their behalf. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, the people of God had no weapons. And all of a sudden, Jonathan, King Saul's son, decided, I'm going to go fight them anyways. And when he did, God moved on his behalf. And the Bible says that God sent an earthquake to defeat the Philistines. God intervened. In fact, the Bible says in chapter 14, right there where we were reading two, three chapters before, it says that he literally sent them into a panic. The enemy went into a panic. And it says they got so confused, they grabbed their swords and they started killing each other. The enemy started killing each other. Can I tell you that when God is on your side, your problems have a problem. I don't think you heard me this morning. When God is on your side, your problems have a problem. This morning, you might have a problem in front of you, but if you got God, your problems are like, wait a minute, he has God on his side. God will literally send a panic over your enemies. The Philistines ended up killing each other. They were confused. And Jonathan and his friend were able to grab all the weapons and take it back to the Israelite army. Three chapters later, they had all forgotten what God did. And when the, now when the giant is out and when Goliath is taunting them, they forgot about God's goodness. They forgot about the earthquake. It was like, Saul, remember the earthquake. Some of us, we're in trouble today. Some of us are against something impossible. Can I tell you, remember the earthquake that God sent to free you from that night. Remember the earthquake that God sent to free you from that depression. Remember the earthquake that God sent to set you free. Some of us, we had nights where we couldn't even sleep. Some of us had nights where we were crying ourselves to sleep. Some of us had nights where we didn't think we were going to make it through the night. Some of us should have died in an accident a couple years ago. Some of us could remember 10, 15, 20 years ago and said, man, I didn't think I was going to make it out of that night. But wait a minute, if I remember God was faithful then, then for sure he's going to be faithful now. He'll be faithful tomorrow. Come on, we serve a faithful God. (laughs) But when you have fear in your life, you forget everything. God, What God? I'm not going to make it. I'm going to die. Wait, I'm, I, I can't. I'm not going to pay the rent. What do you mean? I'm not going to find another job. Wait, I'm, I'm going to get in a divorce. Wait, I'm going to end up single for the rest of my life. Wait, I, no, I, I can't. No. It's fear. It erases your memory. You know who had a good memory? David. <laughs> David had a good memory. The Bible says in chapter 17, right there where we read a couple verses later, that David shows up to the scene. David had, was just taking lunch to his brothers. He showed up with some Lunchables, and he was passing them around to his, to his brothers. And, and, and he hears about this giant, and he's like, who, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Like, what? Are you serious? And his older brother actually gets mad at him and says, hey, shut up. Get out of here. You, you don't even belong here. And if I was David, I'd be like, you're the chicken that won't even move. At least I'm trying to find out. And um, he goes up, th- finally makes his way up to King Saul, and he says, hey, what's the prize for beating this giant? I'll go up there and I'll beat him. King Saul is like, you don't you don't want to go up against this giant. David, David, you're like four foot nothing. You're gonna get you're gonna get killed. He was like 16, 17. And and look what David says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 and on. It says, But David said to Saul, Your servant, he's been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from the mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and I struck it and I killed it and it says your servant has killed both the lion and the bear this uncircumcised philistine oh he'll be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living god listen to this the lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear he'll rescue me from the hand of this philistine oh come on can i tell you the the god that saved you from that sickness the god that saved you from that night that you couldn't make it is the same god that's going to save you now we got to have a good memory and say wait a minute If he came through for me then, he'll come through for me now. God hasn't failed, and he's not about to start right now. God has never failed me, and he's not about to start today. Not today. He's not about to start today. We need to have a memory like David that said, wait a minute, when a lion came against me and when a bear came against me, it was God who delivered me from both. Oh, for sure he'll deliver me from this giant. Some of us need to have a better memory and... Say, oh, God, wait a minute, the, the battles that you saved me from today, they should actually be fuel for me. Yesterday's battles are today's fuel. Some of us need to go back and say, how did I overcome some of these things? How, how did I make it through the night? When I thought my marriage was a mess, when I thought that my marriage wasn't going to make it, when I thought that it was, that was it, we were, we were on the way to divorce, were, nothing was going to happen here. God made a way where there was no way. When I thought I wasn't going to get out of debt, when I thought I wasn't going to find another job, when I thought some of us need to remember, remember the earthquake that God sent to your enemies. This morning, some of us, we need a, a memory. We go back to memory and need better, better memory and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. It was God who saved me. I didn't save myself. I didn't make it out of this mess myself. It was God who rescued me. But fear, fear is a liar. So fear will will erase our memory. And the second thing that fear does is that fear distorts our reality. All of a sudden, reality is a little bit worse than what we thought. We're staring at this giant, and the giant actually looks bigger when it's in front of us. We're like, whoa, wait a minute. He's not 9 feet. He's like 19 feet. It distorts reality. Wait, wait, wait. This giant is actually a little bit stronger than I thought. Oh, wait a minute, and the Israelites, their reality got a little bit messed up because the giant was big. Goliath was big. I'm talking about, he was huge. Nine feet, nine inches, we're not taking anything away from that. We're not taking anything away from our reality. But what the Israelites forgot was that even the giant has a creator and a maker and a God that's greater. Your problems all have to submit to a God that is always greater. Oh, I know cancer may look like a big giant that you're up against, but can I tell you, there's a God that's the maker of every cell in your body. He's the architect, and he's in charge, and he's the one that puts the human frame together. Oh, I know it looks like divorce is a big giant, but there's a God that he's a God of love and the God of restoration. Oh, I know that debt looks like a million problems, but there's a God who owns cattle on a thousand hills. Let's not let fear distort our reality. And all of a sudden, we think that this thing is bigger than our God. Oh, God is greater than anything that we're up against. I remember when I was young, when I was little, did anybody grow up scared of the dark? Come on, anybody grow up scared of the dark? You needed a nightlight, nice little nightlight. <laughs> My mom and dad are here. I don't think I was too scared of the dark that I could remember. I know as I got older, I wasn't. I always knew that God was with me and we went forward. And <laughs> I'm kidding, but, but I do remember one night. One night, it was, I was just feeling a little bit uncomfortable. And I remember going to sleep. And uh, about an hour later, sometime later, waking up and looking across my room, and I saw this huge black giant shadow just staring at me. And I'm not the type to see, like, spiritual things. I know there's a lot of people that see all that thing. Remember I told you about my friend a couple weeks ago, and it's just people that are obsessed with that kind of stuff, not me. So when I saw this thing, I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. I just started, I just started, I just started praying. <laughs> and I'm just like oh my goodness and I remember putting my head in my pillow and st- I started praying I started praying I said in Jesus name that's what my parents taught me just say Jesus 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 and I just started screaming Jesus 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 and I said, I got some boldness inside of me and I said wait a minute you come at me with sword and javelin, but I come at you in the name of my Father. Oh, come on. I started praying. I got some boldness inside. I am more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. I started preaching to myself. Come on. David encouraged himself. Sometimes you got to encourage yourself. And I started praying. I was about 10 years old, and I'm praying all these crazy prayers. And I opened up my eyes and look, and it was still there. And I start getting nervous. I start sweating, and I'm just like, God, come on. You ever do this when you're little? You're like, God, if I open my eyes and it's not there, i believe you're real. <laughs> so. Ah! <laughs> Start praying and praying and, and nothing, and I was wrestling with this thing I, it probably was a couple of hours and I'm just looking at it, it stares just like staring at me and I'm just like, ooh, devil, not today and uh, the more I prayed, the more afraid I got and uh, this thing is going to defeat me and finally I just made a decision I said, you know what I'm going to do I'm going to count to three I'm going to jump out of this bed, I'm going to turn on the light because I heard that if you turn on the light, they have to go if Jesus didn't work, the light will work. <laughs> if that doesn't work, I'll go call my parents or we're to come in here. We're, we're gonna pray. And I remember jumping out of my bed. I ran to the wall where the light unit was and I turned it on. And when I looked, I had left a towel over my closet door. <laughs> and I thought, because fear will distort reality. Some of us were up against something bad. Some of us were up against an impossibility. But don't let it distort reality that God is bigger, that God is greater. The devil is just a schemer. The devil's just a trickster. He's just crafty. He's going to try to throw something your way. But we are going to fight. We're going to declare war on the enemy. The giant has to fall. Come on, church. God is on our side. We're going to declare war. We're not going to let it freeze us. We're not going to let it stop us. We know that God, he's on our side. And our God, he is greater than anything that we could imagine. He's the maker of the heavens and the universe. Oh, come on. He made the stars. He made the heavens. He made the oceans. For sure, he can control our problems. We're going to declare war on the enemy, church. We're not gonna live in bondage. We're not gonna live in fear. That addiction has to bow its name at the name of Jesus. That sickness has to bow its name at the name of Jesus. That situation in your marriage has to bow its name at the name of Jesus. But the people of God have to stand up and declare war on the enemy. See, I'm going through this. Come on, somebody shout. I'm going through it. A lot of problems we think, a lot of times what we think is that the problem is that we need more faith. Alex, pray for me. Can you pray for me after surgery? Just lay hands on me and pray for me. I need more faith. That's the thing is I I just need more faith. Can I tell you the problem is not that we need more faith. The Bible says that he's given all of us a measure of faith. It's not that you need more faith. The third thing that we got to know is that fear is faith in the wrong direction. We have faith. We just have more faith in our problems than we do in our God. Some of us in here, we have worry. We have anxiety. We are stressed out. And the problem is not that you don't have faith. The problem is that you have more faith in your problems than you do on your God. The problem wasn't that the Israelites didn't have faith. It's that they had more faith in Goliath's taunts and challenges than they did in God's promises. God had given them a promise, an oath, and a covenant, and they believed more Goliath's challenges, taunts, and his threats more than God's word. Today, do we have more faith in a doctor's report or in God's report? Today, do we have more faith in our bank account or God's account? Today, do we have more faith in what a divorce paper says or God who's a restorer of all things? Oh, come on. I need some people that believe that God is able. Look look what Jesus says in Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Look at Jesus talking. In chapter 6, verse 27, he says, Can any one of you, by worrying, Add a single hour to your life. He says, why do you worry about the clothes? And see how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor and they do not spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. I love it. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Some of us were in here, were anxious, were worried. God, but what am I going to do with my job? God, but what am I going to do with my family? God, what am I going to do with my marriage? God, what am I going to do about tomorrow? If God takes care of the flowers of the field, he's going to take care of you. Yes. Alex, but but she, she gave me divorce papers. I know. But I've seen people that were divorced for three, four years, and all of a sudden, God restored their marriage, they get married again, and what God started, he finishes. Come on. Alex, but the doctor gave me this report. I know, but I've seen people with cancer, terminal cancer, all of a sudden are healing God, touch their body, and them stand cancer free. Can I just tell you, we just need a little bit more faith in the right direction. In the right direction. You could be looking at an impossibility and still believe in God. Wonder where the direction is this morning. And I want to share one last story. In 1982, In 1982, there was a big college football game going on. Anybody love college football? I don't, but if you do, that's awesome. (laughs) There was a big college football going on. 1982, it was the University of Wisconsin versus Michigan State, and they were in Wisconsin. They were in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and they're playing this big game game was packed out It's about 70,000 people plus in this stadium, kind of like last night where we saw Barcelona the best win and, and the stadium is packed out and people are watching this game and the University of Wisconsin right there in Milwaukee, they, they weren't doing so good. They were they were getting thrown all over the field and it was a bad bad game and this packed out stadium, the home team is losing. Isn't it the worst when you go see a home team and they lose like kind of like when we go see the Marlins all the time it's just bad like, yeah, you're just like, oh what's going on here and, they were having a bad time. But all of a sudden, about halftime, going into the third quarter, the fans all started to cheer and they all started to scream and high-five each other. And some of the coaches to this day, they say that they were confused. They're like, "What? what's going on? Like, the fans are going crazy. This is a bad game. We're, we're like, this is bad. What, what's going on here? And We don't understand. And they interviewed one of them recently. He said, I was confused. I looked around like, what? What in the world? Why are they cheering? And why are they high-fiving? What had happened was a lot of them had taken portable radios to the game and headphones to the game because in the same city about 50, 60 miles away, a baseball team, the Milwaukee Brewers, were taking on the St. Louis Cardinals for the World Series. And in game five, when it looked like the Milwaukee Brewers were about to be down and out and they were gonna be eliminated, they had actually made a comeback and they were winning the game and they were in the ninth inning about to shut this thing down. They were gonna win the game and go on to become champions. The people were looking at defeat, but at the same time, they were hearing victory they weren't focused on what was in front of them they were not looking at the situation in the stadium that they were at but they had something in their ear that said wait a minute on the other side we have victory for our city we're about to get a championship for our city come on can I tell you that when your eyes see problems your ears can hear promises when your eyes see problems your ears can hear promises can I tell you this morning that some of you you're up against something difficult you're up against something impossible there's a giant in the way you don't think you're gonna make it through and your eyes may be looking at something difficult, but my God, when we put our ear to God's word, it is full of promises, it is full of good news, and we say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I may be looking at one thing, but I'm hearing something on the other side. I'm hearing that God is for me. I'm hearing that God goes before me. I'm hearing that He gives me the victory. I'm hearing that I am more than a conqueror. Come on, somebody, we need to put our ear to the other side. Come on, let's lift it up. I'm Days. We will see. high clothes and every head bowed there's people all across here that today you're looking at a giant there's a giant right in front of you and you're saying Alex I'm not I'm not going to get through this I'm not going to overcome this I can't make it to the other side I don't know it, it may be a giant of fear it may be a giant of addiction it may be a giant uh, of pornography it may be a giant of lust it may be a giant of a habit it may be a giant of divorce that wants to stop you and say you cannot make it past me I mean to tell you that there's a God who's bigger, there's a God who's greater, and no matter what your eyes may be seeing, there's a God who already said we have the victory. And today, if we can tune our ear to heaven and listen to God's word, listen to his promises for us, he says, I'm with you and I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He says, I'm by your side. I never change, I remain the same. I am that I am. We have the Alpha and Omega, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the maker of the heavens and the earth on our side. Today, if you're up against an impossibility, I want to pray for you. Some of you, like I said, there's some people I believe here this morning that you are gripped by fear, paralyzed by fear. Fear of the future, fear of what may happen tomorrow, fear of divorce, fear of death, fear of sickness, fear of the unknown. You just don't know why you're afraid, fear free, 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 free of accidents, fear, fear of sick. I don't know what you're afraid of, but there's some people that are gripped by fear. I don't know what it is, but I know there's some people here this morning that God wants to release you from that. And he wants you to fight for everything that he has for you. With eyes closed, all across, come on, the church is praying and the leader is praying. If you're in here this morning, you say, Alex, that's me. I want God to free me. I want to pray for you this morning all across this place, if that's you. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hands. One, two, three. All across this auditorium. Hands raised up everywhere. Maybe it's a different giant. Maybe it's a giant of a habit, an addiction, a divorce, a sickness. I don't know what giant you have in front of you. You raise your hand as well. Father, we thank you right now for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. Holy Spirit, we thank you that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God, right now we pray in the name of Jesus that you come bringing freedom to every heart, to every mind, to every life, to every body, to every soul in Jesus' mighty name, God. God, we know that some of us are against impossibilities. Some of us are against giants. Some of us are against some things that are taunting us, screaming and challenging us. But God, today in Jesus' mighty name, you already won the victory for us. And it is in your name that we claim victory. It is in your name that we claim freedom. It is in your name that we stand. It is in your name that we declare that if you're for us, what can stand against us all the days of our life. I pray that you free your people. I pray that you free us from addictions. I pray that you free us from giants. I pray that you free us from fear. In Jesus' mighty name, Spirit of God, you begin to do the work in every heart, in every life, in every mind, in every single eye. God, begin to release people into the call and gift that you have over their life. Free them today to walk in the gift to walk in what you've called them to do in jesus mighty name we declare freedom over your people amen and amen thank you jesus thank you god whenever you eye close and head about, we're about to leave in just a moment whenever you eye close and every head about, i want to do one last prayer and then we'll be out of here There's some people in here that you walked in here today and you don't have a relationship with God. In fact, you're far from God. You say, Alex, I don't know this God that you've been talking about, but I know I got some things in my life that I need to get right. Can I tell you there's a God who knows you. He loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. It's no coincidence that you're listening to my words this morning. He loves you more than you could imagine. He brought you in here this morning to remind you that he loves you. And maybe you're saying, Alex, but I'm messed up. I'm full of guilt and shame over some of the things I've done that nobody knows. God knows them, and he loves you still. God loves us just as we are, and at the same time, he loves us so much not to keep us there. Today, he wants to do something in your life. and He wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you. He's waiting for you with arms wide open. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. You've sinned. I've sinned. We've all failed God in one way or another. The Bible says that sin separates us from God. But God loved us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus. Jesus came. He took all of your sin, my sin, all of our flaws, all of our mistakes. The Bible says that Jesus carried the sins of the world up to a cross, and there he died for our sins. You and I couldn't pay for our sins, for our guilt, for our shame, for our mistakes, for our errors, but Jesus died for us. The Bible says he went into a grave for three days and after three days jesus resurrected he's alive he overcame sin and death for you and for me today he's offering new life today he's offering you a relationship with god today he's offering you a brand new clean slate no more guilt no more shame you can live in freedom in a relationship with the god who created you i'm going to ask the church every eye closed every head bowed for privacy and concentration i'm going to count to three if you're in here, you're saying, Alex, I need a relationship with this God. I need forgiveness of sins. I need a brand new clean slate. I need to start brand new. Or maybe you've known God and Jesus for a long time. But you say, Alex, I've fallen away. I've done my own thing. And I've been living however I want it today. You want to come back. You can lift up your hand as well. The count of three, I want you to raise your hand wherever you're at. All over this auditorium, overflow, wherever you find yourself, you raise your hand. Just raise it up for a few seconds for me to see it. And then I'm going to ask you to put your hand down. We're not here to embarrass you. I'm not going to hand you the mic. Every eye closed. If you're here and you say, Alex, I need God, raise your hand. As high as you can at the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand. All over this place, hands are being raised. Come on, raise it up as high as you can. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I see you. I see you. I see you. God bless 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 you. I see 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 you. God bless 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 you. Amazing. Anybody else? You raise your hand all over this place. Hands raised up everywhere. Awesome. Father, we thank you for every hand raised. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. Seal it with your Holy Spirit. All of you who raise your hand, I want you to say this prayer from the bottom of your heart. All we're doing is asking God to come into our life. And we're saying, Jesus, we need you. Repeat after me. In fact, the whole church, we're going to say it with you out loud. We're talking to God in this moment. Say this as loud as you can, as strong as you can. This is how we begin to fight. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you Jesus I believe you're the son of God that you died for my sins and on the third day you rose again come into my life be my Lord and be my savior Jesus from today on I'm forgiven I am saved and I'm healed in Jesus name amen and amen come on church We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.